0: good morning. This is the third time. <laughs> I just want to start by saying thank you for being here, and I just want to talk to you about roles. See, roles are important. Roles are important because it defines how we're supposed to uh, Interact with other people, how we are to behave around them. But even more important, it defines our responsibilities. Knowing your role is good, but staying within the parameters of that role is even more important. Now, I have, it reminded me, when thinking about roles, it reminded me of something that happened a few years back. Um, I am a mother of... Three water polo players. Uh, my my uh, last son, two, three, and four, all played water polo from earlier on, uh, junior high all through high school and college. My youngest son started playing water polo at age four, and he is still playing water polo. He's a junior at Cal State Long Beach, and um, <laughs> there is a Long Beach person over there. <laughs> um, but I've been, I've been watching water polo games from 2002 to present. So I have gone to a lot of games, and some of them are really memorable, like when my youngest son's team won the gold medal for a National Junior Olympics. But a few years back, we were at one of his games, and I would say that one was memorable too. We were, It was the first game of the season, and everybody's excited and the games got started and everybody's like, great, You know, this is fun, good to be back on the pool deck. Everybody started cheering for their sons, but then as the game progressed, there were some things that happened. Some of the parents started coaching. Some of these, these guys are college kids, they know what they're doing. They started coaching from the stands and then, When things didn't go well, because it was a pretty tight game, the referees were making calls. And when referees make a call, there's usually somebody who's not happy. right? But these parents did not withhold telling everybody their disapproval. I mean, they were very vocal. And it was such a tight game that... Now, they were not just berating the, the coach, the referees. They started berating the coach. Like, what are you doing? Right? Why are you subbing him for her for, for this guy? It was just so bad, and they did not relent. It was so bad that they finally kicked those parents off the pool deck. They were escorted out. After the game, the coach called, not for a team meeting, but for a parent meeting. And so when we, we all gathered together, the coach was, needless to say, not happy. He says, your behavior was not acceptable. You need to let the players play. I could not even coach my players because you guys are coaching from the stands. They couldn't hear me. And if you have a problem with the ref's calls, that is my job, not yours. Let me let the players play. Let the referees ref- call the game and let the coaches coach. Your job is to support your son and to cheer for him. Now, just like that coach spelled out the rules for everybody on that pool deck, God spells out our roles in, the, in, in marriage, which means the role of the husband and the role of the wife. Let's think back to when we first began Chapter Three in Colossians. When it, Paul begins by, "If then you have been raised with Christ, you are no longer of you know you don't you're not a citizen here. You're just passing through. So you are just put your set your minds on things above, not earthly things. And then the next week we learned about putting off those ugly things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry anger bitterness obscene talk and last week we learned to put those things that are beautiful put on christ gentleness meekness put on love bearing with one another forgiving one another now we reach the point where paul is now concerned that these colossian christians are actually living this out in their homes i have a saying Who you are at home is who you are. I know, that's tough for some, right? Who you are at home is who you are. Because that is where the rubber meets the road. That is where your walls come down and the facade gets thrown off. Because it's easy to be godly here when you're in Bible study. It's easy to be godly when you're worshiping, singing worship songs. It's easy to be godly when you're in group praying, but really, at home is is your it's wide open. And these relationships at home, and I don't have to tell you, right? There are pressures that mount, whether it be re- relational, whether it be financial, and everything else in between. I want you to, if you could turn your Bibles with me to uh, Colossians three. 18 and 19, and let's read this instructions for the roles that God has given us for the husbands and for the wives. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Before we get going, I just want to address the single ladies. I know you may be tempted to check out, but these instructions are good for everyone. Because one day, you're gonna get married, and it's good to know what you're getting into. I know I, I, I mentor moms at Navmo, and I've had some conversations that say, I wish I knew, I wish someone told me. And regardless of what stage of life you're in, the Bible is very clear. Second Timothy 3.16 teaches us that all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by God, and is useful for teaching what is right, rebuking what is not right, correcting to get right, and training to stay right, so that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped or complete in every good work. See, it is for everyone. Before we take a closer look at these commands that God has given us, these rules, it's good to go back to the beginning from when God instituted marriage. Now, you look at, you look at um, since God is the one that created marriage or instituted marriage, he's the one that determines how it works. Would you agree, right? So in creation, we see that God is a God of order. In Genesis 1, we see how he created everything in sequence. And when he was done, he looked at everything and says, everything was very good. Now, we've been reading our DBR, and you can, you can see how God is a God of order. We read about the, the uh, construction of the tabernacle, to the priestly garments, it's all orderly. And just like that, marriage, God says, it has to be in order as well. So order is in God's design. Um, Genesis 1:27 tells us that God made man in his image. Now, if you could turn to me, turn with me to Genesis 2. Um, in Genesis 2.15, we see that God placed the man in the garden, and, and God said to the man, okay, you are the one who is going to tend it, you're the one who is going to work it and keep it. So God gives man the task, and he says, you are going to be the steward of this garden. Look down to Genesis 2:18 with me, please, and it says, "It is not good." Genesis 2:18. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Did you notice Adam wasn't aware he needed a he needed a helper? But God did. God wanted him to have a helper who could be his teammate. He, she would be his closest confidant. He would be, she would be her par, his partner in tending this garden. Let's look down at Genesis 2.19. It says, Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever... The man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the livestock and birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field but for adam there was not a helper fit for him verse 21 so the lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of men. Verse 24 says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one. You see God's design here? We are, man and woman are supposed to be one. Husband and wife are to be one. That is the union that God had instituted. I, I love what Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary about this portion of scripture. He says that, that woman was taken out of Adam's side. She was not taken out of his head so she could rule over him. Not out of his feet so he could, be, he could trample on her but out of his side to be equal and under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. Now, before you start thinking, wow, I'm still called the helper. That's a pretty pathetic title. Can I be something, a different title? But you know, you may think, oh, that's that's not really good. But let me tell you, did you you guys know that three out of four times in the Old Testament that that word helper is actually used to describe God? Let me give you some examples. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 118.7, the Lord is on my side as my helper. Psalm 33.20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 54.4, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Still think helper is a pretty pathetic title. Hope not. So God designed this marriage, this union between man and woman to be a covenant for life. He intended it to be a, to represent this covenant love of Christ and his church, which is his bride. God designated a specific role for a man designated a specific role for a woman. And that means that the wife will willingly go under the authority or submit to her husband as she submits to the Lord. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So if we are going to be godly wives, then you, we need to yield to our husband's leadership. Yield to our husband's leadership. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife, the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. That is 1 Corinthians 11.3. And Ephesians 5:23 says, "For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior." Again, that is Ephesians 5:23. God made the man, gave the man leadership, the leadership role before the fall. So I want you guys to understand that submission is not a consequence of the fall. Even if sin did not enter the world, the wife would still be expected to submit. Now, if you remember in the fall, it starts with the serpent tempting Eve. Eve eats of the fruit, gives it to her husband, and then where do they go? They go hiding. They go hiding, and God shows up, and, and Genesis 2 says, he called his, and God called to the man. It didn't say God called to the man and the woman. It says God called to the man because God had given the leadership to the man. When they were hiding and God called, they're saying, hmm, you ate of the fruit, right? You ate of the fruit. Why are you hiding? I'm naked. Why are you naked? And, and, and Adam says, well, Genesis 3.16 says, The woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Genesis 3.16 says that aside from the pain of childbirth, women are now going to have this desire to control her husband. Genesis 3.16 reads, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. That's why submission is hard. Now, God's design is God has authority over the husband. The husband has authority over the wife. Just like 1 Corinthians 3 says. So in a godly Christian family, that means that you have one appointed leader, and that is the husband. So that means the husband leads and the wife follows. Um, I found some pretty head-scratching instructions as I was preparing. And one of them was um, this instruction for a heartburn medicine. And it, says, it reads, raise the head of your bed. Avoid heartburn-causing foods such as spicy, fatty, or fried foods, chocolate, alcohol, and certain fruits and vegetables. Eat slowly. If overweight, lose weight. Now, there was another instruction on a t-shirt that had very simple instructions, but it still makes me my head scratch. It said, wash this one dirty. <laughs> but the one I like the most is the one of the instructions on a pair of chopsticks. All it was was a picture of somebody holding a pair of chopsticks, and the direction says, good luck. Now, unlike those instructions, God's are very clear. Again, if you could look back at our passage in Colossians 3.18, we find God's clear instructions for wives. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, in the Lord. Now, that word submit is that Greek word hupotasso, which is actually a military term, which means that One person is going to be placed willingly, put herself, in this case, the woman, put herself under the authority of another. That means that we are going to willingly submit and put ourselves under the leadership of our own husbands, who God assigned to be our leader. Now, I know the mention of submit, uh, I know when I first understood the word submit, I, I mean, heard it, I like so much hesitation, and maybe even resistance. Uh, lots of negative, negativity that comes with that word. Do you know why? You guys know why we don't like that word? We don't like that word because we despise authority. We don't want people telling us what to do, how to do it, when to do it. We want to be the boss of us. Now... I wasn't born submissive. (laughs) In fact, the only submit I knew and understood as a child was to submit my homework, and as an adult was to submit my expense report. (laughs) That was it. Now, I know that for some of you, this whole submission thing is a brand new concept, and it it was for me at one point. I had no idea what this was all about until... God grabbed hold of me. And as the Bible says in Ezekiel 36, he took my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh and moved me to, to follow his commands. And so I'm, I read 1 Peter 3 and I said, God, I want to do that. Let's read that passage together. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. It says, likewise, wives... Be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now I said, okay, God, if you said it, I want to obey it, but I don't know how. I don't know how. You know what's so great about God's instructions? You just gotta keep reading. Come go down to First Peter three. Verse 3 through 5, it says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Gentle quiet spirit. Now, you may think, gentle? Okay, that word doesn't really mean weak. The word gentle actually means power under control. In other words, it's someone who has self-restraint. And this means, for wives, that you are willing to yield without having to say much. And that motivating factor there would be because you are a devoted follower of Christ. Now, quiet spirit. I used to think, quiet spirit, oh boy, I'm in trouble. But quiet doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation with your husband. Quiet means it's a peaceful, and I like the definition, a well-ordered spirit. And that means you have the settled confidence in God. Now, like I said, before Christ got hold of me, I would say that Proverbs 27, 15, and 16 was an accurate description of who I was and what I was like. So if you could turn with me to Proverbs 27, 15, and 16, and let's read it together. It says, A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Those days were pretty rocky for me, but praise God that these instructions were given to us and things have changed. But you might be thinking, wow, the wife gets a short hand of the stick, right? Because you may just be thinking that but that is not the case so let's look at our passage once more and let's read it colossians 3:18 it says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord so if we want to be godly wives point 2 is let's see the beauty of submission see the beauty of submission now, when I was newly married, I got a lot of unsolicited advice from so many people. They uh, would tell me, you know, in marriage, it has to be 50-50, right? You got you to gotta give 50 and take 50 and vice versa. Maybe you guys uh, took that advice as well. <laughs> the, problem with it, the problem with that is we have allowed culture to define to us What marriage is supposed to be like, and some of us may even go and take a, you know, grab a a self-help book and say, "Let's hear what the experts have to say." But God has spelled it all out for us, and I know the feminist movement has sold us a bill of goods as well, and they say that this whole submission thing is bunk, and that marriage is oppressive to women. But that is not how God designed it. Some of you may be thinking, submit? My husband's not even married, not not even saved. He's not a Christian. How do you expect me to submit to that? Or you may be saying, you have no idea who I'm married to. Maybe you're married to a Christian, and you don't necessarily agree with a decision that he made. Or Maybe you're even thinking, you should know better. God's commands for, command for us is, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. There are no exceptions except for one. And that is when your, the husband asks you to disobey God's rules, God's law. Right? He, God is not asking you to obey one thing to disobey another. That is the only exception. If God is the God of our lives, we can't ignore the danger and not following his instructions. He's the one that determines how it works. So, voluntarily yielding to your husband's leadership is what is fitting in the Lord. Now, Christ exemplified submission, and we see that in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 tells us that he, being in the nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he took the form of a servant. He emptied himself. He took on human flesh. He submitted to the Father, even to the point of death, and that's death on the cross. Without Christ submitting, you and I are without hope. Without Christ submitting to the Father, you and I would be lost and separated from God forever. The world tells us 50-50. God's clear instructions says no. The bottom line is, if you are going to be obedient to Christ, you bring 100% of yourself to being obedient to Christ as a wife, regardless of what you get in return. Now, I know sometimes I am quick to find fault in my husband. Thank God he doesn't find fault in me as quickly as I do him. And I know... Sometimes our husbands are difficult and maybe even hard. But we gotta have a little bit of a different mindset. We need to see that as an opportunity for us to show unconditional love. Maybe your husband has failed you. And I know sometimes they get under our skin. And sometimes they don't even ask for forgiveness. What an opportunity we have to learn grace and pour out favor to someone who doesn't deserve good things. I know sometimes our husbands, they hurt us so bad, and we find it so hard to submit. What a great opportunity we're given to learn mercy, to give it to someone who doesn't deserve it but you learn to pour out lavishly to the person who didn't respond to you appropriately. See, the beauty of submission is you get to be like Christ. Isn't that what we want? We said, Lord, please make me like Christ. Please, I wanna be conformed to the image of Christ. Ladies, please recognize that this is a great instrument for your sanctification. Actually, the things that are hard may actually, be the, may actually result in the greatest eternal benefit. And you know, God's orderly design is not just for wives. He also gives a command to the husbands. So if you could turn with me to Colossians 3.19, and let's read that together. It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, as a leader of the homes, our husbands are called to love their wives, to care, to be their caregiver, to be their protector, to be their provider. And he calls the wives to be their helper, to compliment them, to help them be the, the, the leader that God is calling them to be. Now, the problem is, sometimes we're not so easy to love, are we? Right? Now, if you think about this, Ephesians 5:25 says, "The husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church." Let that sink in for a minute. What did Christ do out of love? What did Christ do out of love? Christ's love led him to that horrible scourging. Christ's love Led him to that long, shameful walk carrying that cross. Christ's love led him to that mockery. Christ's love led him to the, the pain to the pain of crucifixion. Christ's love led him to the pain of sin and death. And you may be thinking, well, my husband has the easy part. Does he? It's a tall order for the husbands and it's a high high bar. I know when you think about how can I be a helper to my husband? We need to remember that we are going to be judged by God for how we submit our husbands will be judged by God for how they lead and love their wives. And we do not want to be a factor of their sin. So if we are going to be godly wives, point three is encourage your husband's leadership. Now, I have been married for 33 years, and 27 of those years, I have been a Christian. And God has been busy working on me and he is not done but I just want to share with you some things that I learned as I go that as I travel, walk this Christian life and these are just suggestions that has been really helpful for me so I'm going to give you guys seven suggestions the first one is if you want to be a godly wife right these are so helpful first one is Make sure that your relationship with God is solid and it's real. And that means you are in God's word. And God's word is lights our path. It shows us the way. And it we are gonna have to work toward our obedience to Christ. And we're gonna have to go to God in prayer and ask Him to give us the grace to do to do what he's calling us to do even before a non-believing husband. The second one is we need to give our husbands an attitude of respect. We got to treat them like a leader. Proverbs 14.1 tells us that a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down. That's Proverbs 14.1. It's a good one to memorize. Now, my husband and I were invited on by a friend on this little mini cruise, basically, from Newport Harbor to Dana Point. And we were invited to go on, she called it a mini yacht. And so we get on board, and she had everything all planned out. She had all the food, the entertainment, everything for this little cruise. And halfway down toward Laguna Beach, we heard some commotion going on. And she was, apparently the husband forgot something, and she was not happy. And she was just laying on him hard. And it was really very uncomfortable and awkward position because she was acting like his mother. Let's not do that. The next one, my next suggestion is don't usurp his authority. God gave him that authority to be the leader. Do you know that the word usurp means to seize or exercise wrongfully or by force? And I know sometimes we do this without even knowing it. Maybe your husband asked you to, he told you, yes, you can buy this thing, you can buy this whatever it is, right? But you can only spend this much. But it's a few dollars more than the limit that he gave you. But you're thinking, "Eh, I could just do a little creative financing and he'll never know. That's usurping. That's usurping. Let's not do that. You know, one thing that I really learned about this is I go to my husband. Like, what do you think of this? You know, and that's also part of Making him, treating him like a leader. You go to him for that. Okay, the fourth one. Be more lovable. Be more lovable. Think of ways. How can I bless my husband today? I remember having my kids in tow all the time, and my husband has always worked from home. And sometimes boys are really rambunctious and loud, and it feels like the house is falling apart when they're playing. And when my husband's on the conference call... I don't want to have to wait for him to ask me to take the kids out. That means you just go and take the kids to a park or go outside and play. And just making things easy for him. I know with moms of little kids that sometimes you are spent. But just a little something. Wouldn't you like somebody to bring you a little, you know, a cup of coffee or a tea or whatever it may be. Just think of nice things to do for him. Be lovable. Now, I also want to just say that uh, men have needs, sometimes more than women, and, and we do not want to withhold that, right? We want, to be, we, want to do, we want to be lovable to them. Now, the fifth one is go on a date. Go on a date. We learned this very early on in our marriage. I always say, if you want to keep the fire going, you've got to stoke the fire, and it doesn't, you don't have to... Have some kind of expensive date, you know, like you see in the TV shows. You know, uh, one of the Navmo moms suggested that you go go to Handel's and get a a sampler of the Handel's ice cream. You're out of the house, you get time together while you eat ice cream, or you can go for a walk. It doesn't have to be expensive, but just time to be together, to be husband and wife. There's something to be said about that time alone with your husband. Number six, be his cheerleader. We know how to cheer for teams. Let's do it for our husbands. Going back to Proverbs 14.1, right? A wise woman builds her house. Let's build them up. And the last one, be present. I know in times when there's social media, you could be in the same room with your husband and not even connect. We need to be intentional about being present with them. In 1986, there was a passenger ship that collided with a freight ship, freighter, in the Black Sea. The passenger ship basically rammed right into that freighter ship. And according to the monitors, the maritime monitors, no SOS SOS was ever even sent out. The weather, there was no fog, no rain, no wind. And according to the navigational, you know, they checked the navigational system and all the na- navigational systems were all functioning. And according to the reports, the ship captains were, were had warned that their course was going to take them into that collision. And one of the captains actually promised to yield. Now, upon the investigation, the authorities reported that both captains of the vessel knew that they were on this collision course for 45 minutes, 45 minutes, but they ignored the warnings. Neither captains were willing to to yield. In fact, one of the captains, Ashi left the bridge and he told his mate, you're in charge. When the investigation was over, both captains were stripped of their commands They were convicted of criminal neglect and was sentenced for 15 years in prison. In addition, and really horrible, was that 448 people got killed in that collision. Sounds terrible, I know. Sadly, we see this in marriages. We see marriages in collision courses And we sometimes are not willing to yield. We want to assert our way, and it leads to disaster. God designed marriage to be a model, a model of his love, covenant between Christ and his bride, the church. We are to model that in our marriages. So if we are going to be godly wives, We need to yield to our husband's leadership. We need to see the beauty of submission and we need to encourage our husband's leadership. You pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, God, for your great love for us. That God, you have given us clear instructions on how we are to be as wives. That God, you want us to model this, model the church, one who submits to her Lord, her King. And I pray, God, that we would do the same. That as we submit to our husbands, we would see it as submitting to you because that is what's fitting in the Lord. God help us. Lord, we know it's hard, but we want to be yielded to you. That God, the people, the world looking in would see you and see that they need you too. God, I pray that you would protect our marriages. And I pray, God, that we would be the kind of women who truly are devoted to you, committed to following you, And again, thank you so much for these women, and I pray that you would be in their discussions. I pray that um, your words will be engraved in their minds of the roles that you have called us to do. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.